Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. All right, grab your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we can give you one. Luke chapter 15 is where we're going to be. So last night, my wife and I had the, um, we, we, with another friend, had pulled together people that we were on Young Life staff with. Oh, the ushers are bringing around for the connection cards, so they'll pass that around just for the connection cards. Uh, we got together with, we did Young Life staff for 10 years, which was this amazing organization. And we, there were people that were part of that group, there were metro directors and regional directors that we'd become super close with, people that were mentors to my wife and I. And so we had tried to invite them with another friend to get all of us together. And one of the girls that was on that list, her and her husband, they talked about getting the invitation. And they said, I couldn't believe we were on the list. And the rest of us looked at her like, are you serious? Of course. And so I thought she was joking and just trying to be humble and make it. No, she said, no, really. I, re- I called over to the other room where John was and said, John, did you see we're on this list? We got invited. We better hurry up and respond before they pull it back. And so she responded really quick to say she was coming in case it was a mistake. And it was weird because I was thinking, you're Christy Fox. Like, what are you thinking? Of course you're invited. But that's how we feel sometimes to certain things we're invited to, right? We feel like we don't belong. So for that reason, we, we feel very confident because of how Jesus lived and what his scriptures teach and what he taught us, that he asked all to come. That God said in John 3, 16, for, he sent his only son for all of us. So we saw this um, statement from a small Catholic church in Florida And it grabbed me, and so I took it, and I just tweaked it to fit us. And there's so much that's left out, so I won't show the whole thing, but can you show the graphic that we sent out? Because I'm not going to read through it all again. We we closed the service with it last week. But we put all these people on a list that we wanted to know, hey, you're, you're welcome. Not only that, but we are especially inviting you to join us. Now, this looks like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. So people were responding, uh, people that have read it. Some people teared up. Some people laughed out loud, but it's, it's an example of the everyone's. Now, this looks really pretty. Not that you're able to read it from where you're at, but this was sent out, and we, I don't want to overdo it by explaining it over and over again and reading through the whole thing. But what would it be like, honestly, if all those people were in the same room? Like, it sounds great, and everyone celebrates it. However, what do you think it's going to be like for the junk food eater and the skater and the biker all to be right in the same room with the soccer mom. Now, you're worried about the soccer mom. You should be worried about the bikers because they're going to be afraid of the soccer mom. Because if they're not like you, if they don't look like you, if they don't sound like you, if they don't do what you do, then you're going to be afraid. And if you're afraid, that's where judgment comes from. And so it all boils back down to fear. So when you have this whole list, if you think of them all together... 
people are going to freak out. People are going to feel uncomfortable. So, are we going to do this again? Oh, I. <laughs> sure, let's fire them through again. More connection cards. So if you haven't filled out a connection card, you can tell they want a connection card. Just fill it out to make them feel good. Because if Christian has to go through the whole thing and not get a card, he's going to be bummed. So just hand him one. Even if you didn't fill it out, because he's not going to read it, but he'll think that you actually filled it out. So the passage we're going to look at this morning is from Luke 15.1. And this is, the, this is what happens when you have all of these different type of people being invited together. And so we see here that Christ... Jesus is hanging out with all of these tax collectors and sinners. They, they felt comfortable with him. They flocked to him. That's a big deal. Think about that. You would think that when the Son of God shows up, that those that were defined, and actually one of the translations calls them notorious sinners. So not just like, oh, these people aren't doing the right thing. It's like, these people are doing the things that everybody knows you shouldn't be doing it. Yet they felt comfortable enough with Jesus to be near him and to seek him out. So they're all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes, the Pharisees are the religious leaders, and the scribes are like the religious scholars. They were grumbling, and they were saying, this man receives sinners, and he eats with them. Why is that such a big deal? Because for you to be around people that are different than you or notorious sinners, and for you to eat with them means that you embrace them. And the Pharisees, they were known as being separate. In fact, they're the separate ones. So they're basically grumbling, saying, Jesus, why are you close to them? You know we're supposed to be separate. They've chosen to live this way. We've chosen to live this way. Why are you near them? That's what happens. So it sounds pretty to say we extend a special welcome, but we also have to be honest with how some people are going to respond and how those task collectors and sinners are going to feel. They're not going to feel comfortable. They're comfortable with Jesus. They're just not comfortable with the religious people. Can we go to the next slide? So then Jesus tries to explain to them, so he tells stories, parables. He shares three parables. We're going to just share one of them today. He shares about the lost sheep. Then he shares today, as we're going to talk about, about the woman who lost her coin. And then he shares the story of the prodigal son, which actually isn't about the prodigal son, but we'll talk about that next week. But before we get into the story, we have to remember what brought it up in the first point. You have to remember the question. You have to remember the grumbling. Because that's why this was shared. Jesus shares this in response to the Pharisees. He's talking to the Pharisees and the religious scribes, to those who are uncomfortable with this. But while he's sharing this, he also has these tax collectors and these sinners and everybody else. You can put them on that list if you want. The soccer moms, the bikers, the latte sippers, they're all there together. And he's sharing these stories, but if you forget the question that it starts with, the grumbling, then you're going to miss it. So make sure you keep that in the back of your mind as we go forward. So this woman, and of course, this all makes sense to us, right? Any woman in this room or man who has 10 coins and loses one, you're totally going to go find your lamp, right? You're going to go find your lamp, and then you're going to look everywhere for it because there's no way you'd go to sleep 
knowing you lost a coin. This parable makes no sense to you in Southern California in 2018. Be honest. I'm not even going to have you raise your hand because I know most of you would. You throw away pennies. You're like, oh, I could go and put this in the coin jar, but it's probably all the way up. I'm just going to throw it away. We're all guilty of throwing away nickels, dimes, quarters you're a little more hesitant with, but if we have to carry it around and they're going to jingle in our pocket or our purse, they're gone. But this is a whole different story here because everyone that's there knows what Jesus is talking about. We have no clue. Light a lamp, flip the switch, lady. What's the story? Why do you need to go grab a lamp and go around? Why don't you just wait till the morning? Is it really that big a deal? But there's something happening here. So this woman, again, before I jump in, is do not forget the question. This is a response to a question, to a situation, to grumbling. He says, now suppose that this woman who has the t- 10 silver coins and loses one. They all know what this means because when a woman was to get married, she would have her dowry. It was understood there would be 10 special coins. And those 10 coins would be, they wouldn't be put into a little safe. They wouldn't be buried. They were put into like a tiara. So she'd have like this tiara around her head. It was like a special thing. doesn't mean she wore it every second of every day. But she would have a little tiara of these 10 coins. Now, the the drachmas, people argue about how much they're worth, um, but at most, they're worth one day's wages. So whatever you make in one day, one coin would equal that. So she has these 10 coins, and it was her dowry, which meant if something went wrong, if the marriage went wrong, she'd have this to live on. So she's got 10 days. So obviously, it wasn't the value of the coins or even the tiara in terms of monetary value it's what it meant to her right so when she's carrying on this tiara at some point she puts it down and she realizes there's a coin missing have you ever lost something that's so special I've shared it before Um, I have a a Kalo ring now because I took my wedding ring because I have one daughter two boys so I knew they wouldn't fight about this because there's only one girl so we took the ring aside and I said I'm going to save this for Karis, for when she gets married, she can take this ring, melt it down as is, whatever, but she can give this to her future husband. I don't really know the monetary value of this ring. I'm assuming it's not that much. But I put it down somewhere. I didn't put it in safekeeping. I put it in, I know where I put it, and then I went to look for it, and it wasn't where I thought it was. I didn't wait for the morning. I didn't wait till later. I didn't ask around. I just started looking, and my heart was beating fast. Not because of the monetary value, but because of the value. That ring is valuable to me. It's valuable to my wife. And we wanted to share that value to my daughter, who would probably value it more than even we would. And it was missing. And yet these Pharisees are grumbling. These people are grumbling. And here's the other thing. I wonder if all of the people that were with Jesus did they understand how valuable they were to Jesus? Because as he's sharing this story, he's also communicating to them, do you realize how valuable you are? You know that any woman that lost her wedding ring, she would go looking everywhere for it because of how valuable it was to her. Not what she could sell it for, but because it was close to her. It meant something to her. Now, it's one thing to talk about this in these terms of, of money, but... If you've, if you've had children, 
or you've been with children. They might not even be your children. You were supposed to watch these children. And you lost these children. You know what I'm talking about. There's something that shoots up. You feel like throwing up. Something's going on. So someone in our church wrote this when she lost uh, her son. And I thought it was so well said. And I think it... I think it resonates with God's heart. And that's why Jesus was sharing the story of the lost coin. He wasn't talking about a lost child. He talks about that later. But it's the same heart for which God has for his people. All people. The skaters, the surfers, the hipsters, soccer moms. And as one person put it in their list last week, the ordinary bald men that don't fit into a category. This is how God feels about all of us. How this mom felt about her son. She said, after snuggling my youngest down for his afternoon nap, I proceeded to wrangle the second. Gently, I spoke his name, searching upstairs, then downstairs. Certain he was outside. I made my way to his secret territory, a patch of grass unobservable from the house. It was full of dirt, gardening equipment, and wormy joy. I turned the corner, but he was absent. I must have missed him inside. I retraced my steps, calling with more volume and more expectation, using the mama's not screwing around voice that demands respect. But silence followed me. Finally, I found my way back outside into our securely fenced backyard, my heart starting to punch rapidly, slamming into my chest in rhythm with the gate that I suddenly realized was open, its lock clicking loosely in the breeze. Panic rose up in my throat as I raced down into the street to find no one. My brain seized as I scanned desperately. Someone stick my son. I mouthed the words with a silent, dreamlike scream. I have never been so convinced of anything. I scrambled back up the garden stairs, collapsing into the yard, ready to throw up in the bushes. I grabbed the wall for support, lift my face, grab. Do you know that that's the heart that God has for you, for me, for everyone on that list and every category we've come up with for a human being? That's how God feels. I know you're wondering what happened, so I'm going to tell you the rest of the story really quick. I grab the wall for support, lift my face to the grass, and there he is. Reclined, relaxed, and grinning triumphantly like the Cheshire cat incarnate. And then he says, now I'll seek you, mama. It's startling how quickly you can go from needing to hold someone in your arms at any cost to smell their hair and feel their breath to wanting to end their little life with your own bare hands. Do you know that you're that valuable to God? Most of us really don't believe it. Just like my friend, why are we invited to this party? It's like it blows our minds and yet it blows God's mind see this? Do you not see how I see you? Which is the same reason he shares this story to those who can't believe he's accepting everyone. 
see how this works? Do you not see how I am? And you know that those tax collectors and those sinners, when they're there, they're thinking, we're not supposed to belong. And, the, and they see the Pharisees. They don't feel safe around them because they know the judgment. And even if there wasn't judgment, they've already judged themselves. So they're looking for it. You know what I mean? You just assume that everybody looks down on you. You think that those that are sitting in this room or those outside, if you, if maybe this is your first time stepping into a church, and you just assume everybody is judging you. Because no one judges us more harshly than us. But we need to know clearly how God views us. He loves us. So much so that he will pursue us relentlessly because we are valuable. There's no other way to describe it until you see and experience his love for you. So this woman, verse 9, when she finds it, the coin, you can be sure she'll call her friends and neighbors. Celebrate with me. I found my lost coin. Count on it. That's the kind of party God's angel for every time one lost soul turns to God. Or as this nice, clean NIV version says, she'll rejoice. I found my lost coin. Have you ever found something you lost? Did you go, oh, I rejoice. No, it has to be written down some way, but think about it. Think about the excitement that she has. That's how it is for every person that turns towards God and is found. The angels in heaven rejoice. Rejoice meaning they throw a party. That's what Sunday mornings are. You know that, right? That's why someone's asking me, why do we even do Sunday mornings? Because I, I remember asking that same question. When we first planted branches, we thought, well, you know what? Let's not even meet on Sunday mornings. Let's just meet in small groups, and we'll meet every, like, three months. So we did that for a period of time. And I'm the one leading this charge. This is going to be awesome. Yet I knew something was missing when we did it. It was like four or five weeks in, and my heart, I was missing I was missing out. And then other people were saying the same thing. I can't explain it, but we were meant to come together to rejoice and to draw near to Him. And everybody's welcome to do it. That's what Sunday mornings are supposed to be. That's why we play this, these, this music, which are really prayers put to music. Sometimes you just want to drop your head and, and sit. Sometimes you want to just sing out loud, but you're not sure. You can. It's a party, right? If Bruno Mars is here going up and down the stage, and he was singing a song, you all know the song, don't pretend you don't, even those who say they don't. You know a song, you'd feel comfortable singing them loud because the speakers are so loud, nobody can hear you, you'd want to rejoice. I went to a Bruno Mars car, Bruno Mars concert. Trust me, you'd want to do it, but don't pretend like you wouldn't. Because once you experience it, it'll come out. This is supposed to be a party, a rejoicing, because of who God is and what he's done. But I want to make sure of something. I want to make sure that we understand this. I don't want us to... Um, do a, a bait and switch or that you would be bamboozled. Yes, I looked up the word. It actually is a word. It means to be fooled. I don't want you to be fooled because you need to know that Christ came, but he came so that people would draw near to him. And can you put the, the next verse up, please? Uh, sorry, the one right after that. Jesus said, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders. 
But notice what he's inviting them to. An invitation to a changed life. Changed inside and out. Do, do not be surprised that when you draw near to God, when you draw near to him, you draw near to his people, when you begin to walk the life that Jesus has called you to, your life is going to start to change. You're not going to have to say, I'm going to change. I'm going to toughen up. I'm going to make... It's going to change because that's what God hopes for us. He wants us to have the fullness of life. He said, I came so that you could have life and have it to the full. If you know that there's a piece of your life that is not full, then you know what I'm talking about. And God came so that you could have that fullness. So don't be fooled. But you also need to know, some people say this, especially when it comes to when we talk about the, the lost son, the son that runs away. People, maybe the Pharisees and the scribes would say this, they'd say, yeah, but that person, the coin can't come back, but the person, the person has to come back. They have to come back. Don't be so sure. Can you go to the verse that we just looked at? The context of this is that Jesus is sharing another parable in Luke 14, and he's sharing about this big party where he's inviting a wedding banquet, where he's inviting everyone to come. And not everybody comes. He's like, wait, why isn't everybody here? The people that were invited didn't come. Well, if they're not going to come, if the invited ones aren't going to come, then he tells his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Compel just means to let them know clearly they're invited. It doesn't mean you go and grab them by the arm and go, come on, you're coming with me. But it means everything that's within you to let them know this is your place. Because God said, I want my house to be full. I want everyone to be here. That is God's heart. So here's my question. Close with where do you see yourself in this parable? Because when Jesus shares these stories, he wants people to see themselves in the story. Are you like maybe the Pharisees where it's really hard for you to think, wait, can anybody just come? I mean, shouldn't they fix things before they get here? I mean, look how hard we've worked. These Pharisees have committed their lives to such a degree that it doesn't seem right to them that these others can just come and approach Jesus without first fixing their life? Or do you see yourself maybe like the religious scholars going, hmm, because that's what they do. They're, they're scholars. Hmm. If we let them come, are we condoning the way they're living their life? Should, shouldn't we, if we, they're wrestling with, you don't have to. Not your job. That's God's job. In fact, I hear that statement so much. Are we condoning? And so I've tried to look through scriptures. I haven't been able to figure it out in the New Testament anywhere where that's our job which is a huge relief for me as a pastor. Not my job. When we baptize people, it's not like, okay, everything's right now, and now we're baptizing you. We say, no, we understand that you are making a commitment to pay, place your life into God's hands and to allow him to change you. Not our job to determine who gets baptized and who doesn't. But is Jesus, do you trust him? Is he, do you choose to have him as your savior? Do you choose to accept this gift? And will you follow him? All right, let's do this thing. Let's shove you in the water. And then we're going to eat some cake right afterwards. That's what that means. Or 
are you like those tax collectors, those sinners, those prostitutes, those surfers, skaters, businessmen, latte sippers. I don't know why I keep going to the latte sippers. People with the skinny jeans, people with the baggy jeans, people with the flannels, people with the low cuts. I don't know. But with all of those, do you feel like them where you're not supposed to be there? Do you feel the heat of people's eyes burning in your back because you're wondering, do they think I belong here or not? Someone wrote this about um, how terrified they were to even go to church. If you're part of branches, you need to know this. If someone is coming and visiting at any time, at any place, it's a big freaking deal. I just was talking to someone this morning who actually is part of branches but hasn't been here for a while. And she said, I'm dealing with anxiety to even come because I don't want to come by. She's terrified. That's the best word to describe it. I remember when we were... um, we made a transition from one city to another, and then going into a church, it was like, ha, ha. It just felt uncomfortable. This is what one woman said about it. She's got, I've got to tell you, the people at church were threatening to me at first. They seemed like they had it all together while I was barely hanging on. Let me stop right there. If you think the people here have it all together and aren't barely hanging on, you don't know us. But this person felt that. She said, I managed to swallow my pride, though, and I started coming on Sunday mornings as well. People didn't shun me. They reached out to me. It's here that I met Jesus. It's here that my life began to change. Ask yourself, what can you do? How can you participate? If you see the need, feel the need. If you've spotted it, you've got it. How can you participate so that all of the prostitutes, tax collectors, latte sippers, soccer moms, skaters, even the guilt-tinged Pharisees would gladly want to gather. What can you do to help make that happen? We all participate in that. That's what these Sunday mornings are supposed to be here. Branches, at Shoreline, at Our Lady of Fatima, at all of the Christ-centered churches We're here to celebrate what God has done. And anyone that's going to make that step to draw near to him, we don't just not grumble. We do whatever we can to celebrate. And this is one of the clearest examples I've seen of this, and I want to close with this story. So my friend's a CrossFit trainer. My kid, one of my sons did CrossFit training. When you go, you see all these really fit people. Well, I found out it was for his class because my friend who's a trainer said, no, pretty much everybody that shows up to CrossFit, especially for the first time, they're in bad shape. And so when they come in, they're very insecure because they're afraid of seeing all of these 12-packs and people with huge shoulders, and they're very fit. And so they come in terrified. He said, this girl came in, and you could see it on her face, but she came up to me as the coach and said, hey, I just want you to know this is my first time. I'm terrified. My friend, you can tell he's my friend, stands up, says, hey, everybody, she's new and she's terrified. You you can imagine how that went over with her. But everyone else started cheering. Why? Because they knew what it was like to be in that position. 
So because they knew what it was like for her, that whole workout session, they go to these different stations, she's trying to like do the squats, she's trying to do the kettlebells, the rope, and she's not doing very well. And they're like, don't worry about it, you're doing great, look at you, oh my gosh, you're sweating. Anything they can see to encourage her, they're not being weird about it, but they, they know what it's like. And so they finish the workout and everybody's hanging out, so she goes off to the side with the coach again. And she says, is it always this encouraging? pretty much, probably a little bit more because I just rolled you under the bus in front of everybody. But yeah, it's kind of what we do. She said, this is so refreshing. She said, because when I told my family I was going to do this, they said, you're just going to fail. Why even try? That's how these people felt when they drew near to Jesus, except it was Jesus, so they felt safe. But we, as the people surrounding are the ones that need to celebrate and encourage. Here's the frustrating thing about this room. It's not our room. You're all staring at me, and we're trying to figure out a way to, to turn the chairs and make it work so you can all see each other, because that's the way it's supposed to be. So we've tried to angle them a little bit. So you, can you see them over there? Can you see them face to face? You know, a little eye connection. You guys in the middle, you're like, uh, uh, uh. But it's supposed to be where we can see each other, kind of like going station to station and interact with each other. That's the way it's supposed to be. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he set up communion. And the way he did it was say, you take this bread, which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. There were tax collectors in that room when he said it. Literally. It was a small group. And yet there were some of the worst people around. And they were in that circle, still with him, falling, with their lives being turned upside down more to the way they were created to be, and they were full with joy, more joy than they'd had before. And he said, when you take this, do this in remembrance of me, our relationship. Remember how much I love you. Remember how valuable you are to me. Don't ever forget that. And then you take this wine and you drink it as a remembrance of my blood which was shed for you. This is how valuable you are to me. We're not going to take typical communion because nobody said you had to have little bread wafers or a little juice. It means to celebrate and do this in remembrance. So in the best way possible that you can, when we exit and you have your In-N-Out burger and your chips and your drinks, remember why we're celebrating. This isn't an excuse to get people just to show up. The reason the In-N-Out truck is here because I've always said whenever I see an In-N-Out truck, I know somebody went big. It must be a big party. And I wanted us to get to that point where we can do it. I don't know if financially it was the best decision ever, but we got to celebrate, right? Because we were lost and now we're found. Can you join me with standing? And I want to pray for us. The, the worship team is going to guide us. Father, may not only this Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every other day of the week and of the month, the times that you gather us as a church, the other churches, may the world know how valuable they are to you by the way we treat them, by the way we work hard to embrace others. But Lord, we know it starts with us knowing that we are embraced by you. You know us inside and out. And yet you still while we were yet the way we are, came and died for us.
set us free. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It's so good to see all of you here. Um, God created us all and said we were good. That's the beginning. That's the foundational piece of all this. Then stuff happened. And then God said, I'm going to invite everybody back to me. But in the, how he went about inviting people, it caused tons of problems for others that thought they knew God and what God was about. And that's really difficult for us to contend with. But it's the truth. He came to bring liberty to captives, feed hungry, clothe the naked, spend time with the lonely. And I think if we give ourselves time and if we're honest with one another, even though we live in the first world, we're going to see how we are very similar to the hungry in sometimes material ways and sometimes spiritual ways. So while we're out there, it's not a somber ending to this. While we're out there, I encourage you to be brave. Share. Share what's going on. Share with who you think is the right person. And yeah, it's a gamble. They may be too busy. If you talk to me, I have four kids. I may not be able to listen right away as good as your story deserves to be heard. But I encourage you, share your story so that we might be able to grow in grace together. Because that's key. We are participating in God's mission to bring grace. I'm not the best at it. But when I get to join in with what God's already doing, that's a privilege. And you may be doing that with me when you hear my story, and I hope I get to do that with you. So be blessed. You don't have to be cleaned up to come to this space. You don't have to be cleaned up and perfect to be with Jesus. That's not the point. Just be with him. Give him time. He's going to cook you and have you be ready, not nearly as quickly as the In-N-Out Truck Burgers, but when it's the right time, you'll be ready. And it doesn't matter if it's your neighbor's timeline by when you're ready. It's God's timeline for when you're ready. That's what matters. So, be blessed. If you have children, come with me. Let's get our kids. Let's also spend a little time helping clean up so that we can all get back and enjoy food together. Love you all. Have a good week.